welcome to the For the Love of Film podcast. I'm your host, Scott David Chase. Uh, it is nine days before Christmas. So I'm gonna, I, I saw two Christmas movies back-to-back. The National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and Christmas, or Office Christmas Party. Uh, I, I knew I was going to screw that title up. It's such a generic title, but um, so I saw those two. Then I also saw The Front Runner and uh, remake of Dario Argento's Suspiria. I'm going to talk about those on this episode. So um, yesterday was. Uh, Yesterday was my birthday, and I, I like to go to the movies and, on my birthday. And I was, you know, the day before I looked to see what was playing because there were a few films in the theater now uh, that I want to see. Usually, the holiday season's weird because uh, um, a lot of you know Oscar hopefuls, what's you know often referred to as Oscar bait, films get released. Uh, in limited release towards the end of uh, the end of December uh, most of them are available to see widely across the country from December 25th on uh, and then some of them are in limited release and I don't end up seeing them until the beginning of the year uh, they just do a limited release uh, so that they're eligible for the Academy Awards which you know, I've, I've griped about that in the, in the past, um, the way they do that, uh, because I, I really feel like they should put them in wide release so that everyone can see them, because uh, it, it always drives me nuts uh, seeing these end-of-the-year best-of lists and all these movies that are coming out, or have come out, but I can't see it or on everyone's best-of list, and I don't see them till mid to late January. But be that as it may, um, I looked at the listings and I saw that National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation was playing at the theater close to me, and I've actually never seen that movie. Um, I'd seen National Lampoon's Vacation and National Lampoon's European Vacation. I had actually seen European Vacation before I had seen Vacation, and I know that they're kind of heralded as comedy classics now uh and it wasn't i didn't not see christmas vacation for any intentional reason just never gotten around to it and uh you know comedy i think of of every genre of film out there comedies are the ones that tend to be the ones that age the 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 least gracefully Uh, i don't know Excuse me. Um, there's so many comedy films that are considered classics that if you don't see them at the time and then see them years later, um, you know the context of the time that they were released is lost. And also, just the the national you know sense of sense of humor changes so much every couple of years, and I just feel like comedy builds upon what came before it, so, you know, whatever is currently funny obviously owes a huge debt to what came before it, but so if you're, you know, if you go back to something from a previous time that you weren't familiar with, it's oftentimes not going to be that funny now. I mean, 
you know, Lenny Bruce is one of the people that's, you know, one of the forefathers of modern stand-up comedy, but also, you know, an activist for freedom of speech and whatnot. But if you go back and listen to Lenny Bruce's comedy bits, especially if you've never heard them before, uh, they're probably not going to be that funny to you. You know, I look at stuff like the Three Stooges and the Honeymooners now and can respect their place in history of comedy, but I don't laugh at them. I don't find them particularly funny. I mean, I had the instance where I saw National Lampoon's Animal House for the first time about five or six years ago, and I saw how it had influenced so many films, you know, uh, American Pie, um, Ghostbusters, so many other things, but I just did not think it was funny. And unfortunately, that was the case with uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation as well. Um, I, 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 I noticed I, I audibly chuckled probably twice in this entire film. It's you know it's 97 minutes long, but to me it felt a bit longer than that. And uh, I also realized in talking to my brother last night that I was probably 13 or 14 the last time I saw or when I saw. European Vacation and Christmas Vacation, or not Christmas, European Vacation and just Vacation, and liking them, but I'm obviously much older than that now, and that's sort of the age range that they were geared towards. Um, it's, I mean, it's it's barely a movie, it's just a bunch of scenes, vignettes, uh, with ridiculous gags strung together, barely a narrative, I mean, obviously it's takes place a, a few weeks before Christmas, and Clark Griswold, who's played by Chevy Chase, uh, as he was in you know, several of these movies, uh, is expecting a huge Christmas bonus, and uh, his family comes to, you know, his extended family, his parents, his in-laws, and his cousin, played by Randy Quaid, all come to stay with them, and visit for the holidays, and, uh, mild shenanigans ensue, and, uh, I mean, this movie's interesting of note, uh, the, the, the two, the two Griswold children in each of these movies is played by different actors, and, you know, the, the ages vary widely, uh, but in this one, it's Juliette Lewis, and a very young Johnny Galecki. Uh, Johnny Galecki, you know, went on to be on Roseanne for many years, and now is on the enormously, enormous, eh, enormously popular Big Bang Theory. Um, neither, neither one of them give particularly memorable performances. I mean, Johnny Galecki is barely recognizable. He's, you know, he's a preteen in this. He's probably 12 years old, um, but his face is a bit chubbier than it is now, so, um, you know, his voice is kind of squeaky and high, so, uh, and really hasn't developed, uh, the sort of stage persona that, uh, he added to, you know, the characters in both Roseanne and Big Bang Theory, and Juliette Lewis is probably 15 or 16, um, again, uh, this is, uh, this movie came out in 1989. I believe she did Cape Fear in 1990, which was kind of her first 
noticeable starting role and just the year of difference you can see a huge you can see a huge difference in her acting chops but uh, yeah neither one's a particularly memorable performance um, this movie's interesting because I've been watching the show the television show Community which uh, Chevy Chase was on at least for the first four or five seasons um, I'm watching Community for the first time, so I'm a few years behind when other people saw it. So, um, you know, and those that show came out. You know, I, I think I'm on the end of season three right now, and so I believe those came out in 2011. So I'm six or seven years ago. But it's you know I'm relatively seeing Chevy Chase how he is now, and and then this was Chevy Chase 30 years ago, and you know obviously very well known for. Uh, his his early stint on Saturday Night Live, but um, you know a lot of people consider Chevy Chase a comedic genius, uh, well known for a lot of his films in the '80s, and you know he just kind of uh, he's he's sort of disappeared, even though he's still around. But you know hasn't aged well. Looking back on the arc of his career. Uh, Chevy Chase has always kind of played an asshole, and that was sort of his charm, I guess, uh, in, in in air quotes. Uh, but uh, from what I know about him and his personal life and people dealing with him, I I don't know. I I think Chevy Chase is probably a bit of an asshole in real life too. I know he's a lot of people have said he's difficult to work with, and it kind of comes off on screen. So. You know, it works for his character, Pierce, on Community. Uh, but seeing his older work, where he is, you know, a young man and is charming, uh, or is supposed to be charming, with the distance and hindsight of time, I just, I, you know, I don't, I don't find Chevy Chase enjoyable. So, you know, it was interesting sitting in the theater watching this movie for the first time. Uh, there were a lot of families brought their kids there, and I was just kind of like, what, you know, what about this movie has captivated people? Um, and I guess it's time and place when you saw it. Um, I mean, because I love A Christmas Story, the, the movie starring Peter Billingsley, but I've seen that since I was a kid, and I don't know if I saw it now for the first time if I would... I would like it, and and also you know Christmas movies, much like Christmas music, are they're a weird commodity because there's something that um, you know mostly people watch you know once or twice a year during the holiday season, and it is a season that's typically joyful. So I think people have emotions attached to these films that don't necessarily aren't reflective of the films themselves, but you know they're conjuring up an image and a feeling so people let you know people are attached to these movies for reasons other than the actual artistic merit of the movies but uh yeah um am i glad that i saw a christmas vacation i mean not really i'm i'm glad i, I, I i'm glad that i finally saw it so that when it comes up a conversation i don't have to be like oh i've never actually seen that and then people will, will say oh you have to see it because now when it comes up, I can say, yeah, I saw it. Uh, it doesn't impress me. But, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know, like, 
I'd probably give Christmas Vacation a, a four out of ten. Uh, if 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 you haven't seen it already, if you're not a fan of this series, uh, there's really no reason for you to see it now. And it's you know it's PG thirteen. It's a I mean it's fairly tame, but it's a a bit too body to really be considered a great family film. It's you know I don't really know if an audience exists for this film now. Uh, you know certainly there was a time and place for these types of movies but you know in 2018 I don't know if you haven't seen it already I, I, I can't recommend it for you uh, the next film I saw was Office Christmas Party which I, I, I saw that on, on Redbox um, you know I saw that the night before my birthday I uh, gotten out of work and felt like watching a Christmas movie so I checked red box to see what they had and um, you know for some reason I had thought this had come out last Christmas the, you know, the 2017 Christmas season but it actually came out in the 2016 Christmas season so uh, and it hadn't really heard anything about it um, I just looked at the cast really quickly um, Jason Bateman, Olivia Munn TJ Miller um, Vanessa Bayer, Courtney B. Vance, Rob Corddry, Kate McKinnon, and Jennifer Aniston. Um, so, you know, a, a talented, if not A-list cast. Um, these are all people that I've seen in different comedies in the last decade that I've liked to varying degrees. Um, you know, I, and it was a pretty low-stakes night. I just wanted to watch something. I had the next day off and didn't feel like going to bed and didn't feel like watching anything that was in my next Netflix queue and was feeling mildly uh, yuletide-ish, if that's a word. I'm sure it's not, but... Um, so, you know, I didn't have high expectations for this movie. Uh, you know, it the very unimaginative title, Office Christmas Party, basically tells you exactly what it's about. Um, it is a a giant corporate office and they're having a Christmas party. I mean, there's semblance of a plot about they need to throw this party to lure a big client to give them their business so their branch doesn't get shut down, but it's just an excuse to have shenanigans happen. Um, you know, it is an ensemble cast. There's no real protagonist. I mean, Jason Bateman is basically the character that would be the protagonist. Um, recently divorced, you know, gets divorced at the beginning of a movie, and there's no explanation as to what happened to his marriage or whatnot. I mean, it's basically a setup so that it's clear that he's single at the beginning of the movie, so eventually he and Olivia Munn can connect. Uh, spoiler alert, but, you know, this is not the sort of movie you can spoil. So he is kind of the second-in-command of this of this branch, uh, T.J. Miller is the guy who runs it, but not really. T.J. Miller is kind of a, uh, you know, he and Jennifer Aniston are siblings, and their father left the company to them, and Jennifer Aniston is the uptight, no-fun CEO, and she's the one who's going to close the branch, and, uh, you know, T.J. Miller's the fun-loving guy who cares for his entire office, and you know, has a problem with partying and 
Courtney B. Vance, he plays the uh, head of another corporation that they're trying to get their business from, so they invite him to this Christmas party. And, you know, various characters in the office, uh, you know, they fill out the stereotypes of a large office and they interact with each other. Um, you know, it it's not a great movie, but unlike Christmas Vacation, there was a it, it coasted off of the charm of the, the cast and um, while it's a poorly written script uh, and it's incredibly predictable, there are moments with almost each of all the principal cast members that made it made it fun. Uh, you know, Kate McKinnon, uh, who's currently on Saturday Night Live and is probably the the most talented person currently on Saturday Night Live. Uh, she's always fun to watch, and I, I'd really love to see her in a worthwhile film because pretty much everything I've seen her in in films, she's certainly been the highlight. But she's uh, not in she hasn't been in anything particularly great yet but like I said she's always the highlight of it uh, she she eats pretty much every uh, scene that she's in in this she's great um, you know I know some people who have recently for some reason voiced their displeasure with Olivia Munn um, she may not be an incredible actress she's certainly a serviceable actress and um, she's likable you know her and Jason Bateman have decent chemistry. Jason Bateman plays just a variation on the role that he's played in a lot of these generic comedies recently. You know, Game Night, which came out this year, he was much more memorable in it, but, you know, um, he's a likable actor. I like him a lot. Um, you know, he's great on Ozark, the, the Netflix TV show that he's also executive producer on. Uh, even T.J. Miller, who I don't like, um, was very likable in this. I, I, I primarily don't like T.J. Miller because of his personal life, his personal behavior. He's you know been uh, well documented of being fairly awful to a lot of people, and um, you know I'm not even going to get into that. But you're more than welcome to to Google him and see the stuff that he's done. But uh, like I said, uh, I didn't mind him. And this, even Jennifer Aniston, who's playing kind of a mildly different character from the one that she played in Horrible Bosses, uh, is fairly watchable in this. There's something about Jennifer Aniston uh, in the last five or six years, she's played a lot of unlikable, sort of uh, irredeemable for lack of a better word, bitches. Uh, I don't know if she's intentionally trying to shake the character of Rachel Green that she played on Friends for forever. She's getting typecast, but it's 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 kind of too bad because she has done a lot of interesting films in her post-Friends career, and now is just seems like she's coasting on a lot of these uh, uh, dark comedies, darker comedies. So, you know, but she was, she was okay in this. Uh, I don't know anyone in 2018 who's intentionally going to see Jennifer Aniston movies. 
uh, you know, going to see a movie because she's in it. But, uh, yeah, she was all right in this. You know, I'd give Office Christmas Party a 5 out of 10. Uh, like I said, I, I, not not a great movie, but uh, I definitely laughed more at this than at uh, Christmas Vacation. So I had that going for it. Um, the next movie I saw was The Front Runner, which uh, second Jason Reitman movie I saw this year. Um, first one being Tully, which is still one of the best movies I saw this year. And uh, much like Tully, The Front Runner has already come and gone from theaters. I mean, I don't think it's playing anywhere in New Hampshire at this point on December 16th. Um, you know, it was, it, there was some mild Oscar buzz about it um, when it was released and you know just it didn't find an audience um, I mean it's only made two million dollars at the box office I don't know what the budget was but I guarantee you it was more than that um, you know huge so Hugh Jackman it's a, it, it's a biographical film Hugh Jackman plays Gary Hart who was a 1988 uh, Democratic uh, I mean he wasn't the presidential nominee yet because it was pre the um, you know they hadn't picked him as the as the candidate yet hence the title the front runner he was you know he was the popular choice he was going to be and um, you know uh, a sex scandal a controversy arose and this film is delves into that and uh, you know, uh, my buddy Bob, who I go to the movies a lot with, really loved this film. I liked it, but I didn't love it. Um, I thought Tully was a much better film uh, as far as the two Jason Reitman films I saw this year. But, uh, you know, Hugh Jackman gave a serviceable uh, performance. But, uh, you know, uh, this is sort of like a more of a footnote film than anything else as far as this was the first really noteworthy uh, first time in history where uh, certainly I remember a candidate's personal life was brought out into the, the public, you know, the news cycle. This is, bef this is pre-internet, pre-24-hour news cycle. And, uh, you know, and it's talked about a lot in this film where this type of reporting was considered tabloid sensationalism up until this point. And, you know, uh, this was one of the sort of tipping points of um, the change in journalism. You know, I, I think the the pursuit and, and death of uh, Diana, Princess of Wales, a few years later, uh, possibly also part of that. But um, the problem with this movie is it really, just as it starts to kind of get into this issue... You know the movie is is over too quickly. I, I I feel like it just dealt with this whole issue much too quickly and didn't didn't do a thorough enough job talking about it. I mean it's a difficult subject to really encapsulate in a two hour movie, but um, you know it certainly didn't. Uh, it, it left a lot to be um, reckon with and you know I don't know if there's a definitive way to to handle uh, this issue but uh, yeah it, it, it did an okay job it just it wasn't 
an amazing film. It was a serviceable film. Uh, Hugh Jackman certainly did a decent job as as Gary Hart. Um, you know, made him a fairly relatable person uh, in a what could have been a, a, a thankless performance. Um, the thing about Hugh Jackman, I mean, this is the second Hugh Jackman film I saw this year. The first being The Greatest Showman. Um, he's he's really. I don't know if he's ever going to get out of the shadow of, you know, Logan, both the character and the film, you know, Wolverine from the X-Men movies. Um, it's, it's the role that brought him international acclaim and really the character that he refined over two decades. And, you know, he's, he says he's done with the character, you know, not that I don't believe him that he is. I, uh, could under I can totally understand why he's done with the character because uh, he wants to do other things and you know he is a he is an aging man I mean he's not that old but he's you know he's probably in his in his mid forties now and I know it takes a huge physical toll to get in into shape for that role um, but he also wants to do other things but you know particularly with James Toback's film Logan uh, that was. Um, probably the best performance of his career and it's kind of a shame that right now that uh, Marvel doesn't uh doesn't yet control the the Fox you know the the characters that Fox owns the cinematic rights to you know the X-Men in particular um because you know Marvel's doing some interesting stuff with their cinematic universe and it would be great if Hugh Jackman's Logan could be part of that but be that as it may, um, you know, when I was watching the front runner the whole time, I was just like, you know, this is pretty good, but he's was still, he, you know, he was better in Logan. Uh, that was just such a powerhouse performance. And I really feel, um, he should have been nominated for that. But anyway, um, you know, there was a there was a lot of other talented people in the front runner that I feel were just kind of wasted in their roles. It it kind of reminded me of the the film Chappaquiddick, which I saw earlier in the year, which also has a very talented cast. You know, doing a biographical story that really only did surface level. Uh, exploration and um yeah i was a little disappointed by the front runner um i'd probably give it a solid six out of ten but um yeah i don't think you know if you didn't get a chance to see it in the theater i'm sure it's going to be on home video soon or streaming or however you watch movies non-theatrically um uh, you know it's it's worth it's it's worth a watch but it's not it's not an amazing film. It's a it's a decent film. Uh, and then the last film that I saw was Suspiria, which is a remake of the Dario Argento film from uh, 1977. And this film takes place in 1977. Uh, I've seen Suspiria, the original, but it's been probably 20 years since I saw it, and I have only a faint recollection of it. And... Uh, you know, Dario Argento has a very specific aesthetic, and uh, this 
this film certainly pays homage to that a bit. Uh, and this, they, this movie went to great lengths to make it look like it was made in the seventies. And, um, uh, you know, but it's, it's certainly its own thing. Um, Tom York from Radiohead did the music for it. And, uh, it's, it's certainly an interesting take on particularly for a horror film because, uh, it's not your typical horror film music, at least the, the stuff that's the stuff that jumps out at you is, Oh, this is Tom York because you know, the songs that he sings in, they're more gentle, like, I don't know, mournful piano ballads, uh, than, than mood striking pieces. But, um, you know, my, uh, again, my buddy Bob saw it. I, I, I think he was a little underwhelmed by it. I think I enjoyed it a lot more than him. Uh, it is a long film. It's about two and a half hours long and it feels long. I mean, it's got the pacing of a movie from the seventies. It's not got the modern horror film editing, which it was intentional. I mean, uh, for those not familiar with the original and, and, and again, the story's different, but it's a, um, you know, it's a, it's a supernatural ish film. I, I mean, I don't know why I said ish. It's definitely supernatural, but, uh, it's revealed very slowly. Um, takes place in, uh, a, a, in Berlin in 77. There's this dance troupe and an American dancer comes and auditions and eventually is, uh, brought in as part of this troupe. And, you know, that role is played by Dakota Johnson, which it took me 15 to 20 minutes to recognize her in the role. Um, you know, it's interesting that she gave one of my favorite performances of the year and one of my least favorite performances because she she was in Fifty Shades Freed, which I saw at the beginning of the year, which she was just atrocious in, which is, you know, not a, not 100% her fault. You know, it was a terrible film, and, um, you know, I, it would be difficult to be good in that movie. But, um, you know... Uh, she gives such a full-bodied performance in this as the dancer, and I don't know how much of it was her and how much of it may have been a body double, but uh, it's such a captivating performance. And, you know, I think a lot of what I liked about this movie, because so much of it deals with movement and the body, and I've this this year I've spent, you know, dozens, maybe hundreds of hours uh, studying the human form doing, you know, illustrations and paintings of the human form. And this is just sort of a, you know, the, the way the human body moves and, uh, the way it, you know, light strikes it, um, is just captivating in this film. So that I'm sure had a lot to do with it. There's also, um, you know, Tilda Swinton who, uh, an actress who is, exceptional in pretty much everything that she does has a triple role in this film and uh you know if you're if you do see it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spoil for you who the other two roles are i mean there's one that is obviously tilda swinton and then she played two other characters but you can do a little digging and find out which of the other two characters in the film she plays um i had my suspicions earlier in the film but didn't you know i i 
didn't have them confirmed till I did some investigating after the movie. But, uh, yeah, um, Dakota Johnson was fantastic in it. Um, uh, Chloe Grace, Chloe Grace Moretz has a small but somewhat significant role in the film. And, you know, she's been in quite a few horror films. Uh, you know, she did the remake of Carrie several years ago. And one of my favorite films of the last uh, decade was, uh, let me in, which was, uh, not a remake of a foreign film, but it was an interpretation using the same source material as the film, let the right one in, which was also amazing. Uh, one of the few, one of the few films that has been remade is, or, you know, has an American version made, which is just as compelling. Um, my, you know, my feeling on that also is, you know, the girl with the dragon tattoo. I love both versions of the film for different reasons, but, uh, you know, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, uh, solid in this as well. Um, I mean, it was nice to see a film that was almost entirely populated by female actors. Um, a lot of strong performances and, you know, there was genuinely frightening moments in this film. Uh, but the look of the film, the aesthetic of the film was primarily what I loved about the movie. And, uh, this is certainly not a film for everyone. Uh, if you're not a fan of horror movies, you certainly won't like this. Uh, but also you have to be a fan of a very particular stylized type of horror film to enjoy this. Uh, it's not a, uh, it's a, a jump scare movie. It's, it's not an exceptionally gory film, but the parts that are gory are very gory. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a dark, dark movie. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, you know, I'd give Suspiria an eight out of 10. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, definitely glad I, drove an hour and 10 minutes to Portland, Maine to get to see it in the theater. That was the only theater that it was playing at locally. But, um, yeah, kind of a, kind of a weird week and a half for me to see movies, but, uh, you know, that's totally okay. I, I like seeing different styles of things. I'm hoping to, uh, see a, a couple movies this evening when I get out of work and, uh, yeah, I'll report back to you. I'm hoping to get another, at least one more regular episode up before Bob and Greg and I do our, our year end review episode, uh, which we'll be doing on New Year's day. So thank you for listening and I'll talk to you again soon.